Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, November 24th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Going to be all NFL from us today. No golf tournament this week. No horse racing that we want to talk about. No NASCAR, anything like that. Just all NFL here today for week 12 on this edition of the show. We'll touch on the three Thursday games. We'll bounce around the Sunday card. We'll hit Monday Night Football. Lots of NFL insights and analysis coming your way here on today's show. Over at ATS.io, lots of stuff going on. Updated college football power ratings. Updated articles for the Westgate Super Contest and the Circa Sports Million. Three and two for me in the Circa with the Rams coming through last night. 30-24-1 and one on the season now as we head into this challenging Thanksgiving week. Also over at the website, picks and predictions across college football and the NFL. We'll be rolling out some college basketball stuff this week as well. And of course, while you're over there, check out our sportsbook promotions articles. Some really good offers this week from BetMGM Sportsbook. Good offers from DraftKings. We'll update the points bet offers this week as well. So you can find a lot of those bonuses, boosted odds, all those kinds of things over at the website. While also checking out sportsbook reviews, welcome bonus opportunities, all that good stuff for the legal U.S. sports betting market over at ATS.io. And finally, download the ATS app. Article integration from the website, a bet tracker, an odd screen, stats, trends, information, databases, a premium picks model, all of that in the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or you can head over to ATS.io, click on the download buttons. Those will take you to the app in either the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. Counting the minutes here to uh, Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Four Why's days that? off. I'm, hey. I'm drooling, waiting for that. There you go. Nice little break for you here. Uh, you know, don't even have to worry about Black Friday shopping this year. Everything's just going to be online, I think. No, I just I just worry about is the, the refrigerator stocked. <laughs> With beer or something else of your choice? Nah, food. Okay. Food. Right, You're not really yeah, much of an alcohol I, guy, are you? I get, well, I had, I've had my moments. Don't get me wrong. I, uh, no, I got a case of beer last Thanksgiving and it lasted the Easter. Oh, that's not good. I, I, I don't drink at home. You know, there's a shelf life to that stuff, right? Well, worked for me. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I drink at home. You know, everyone's been drinking at home this year with the pandemic, but. I'm definitely you know, more of a social be out and about kind of drinker. I mean, I'll sit down and sip some bourbon at home or have a few IPAs or whatever, but man, I, I love brewery hop and I explore a lot of breweries. I'm, you know, I'm a millennial, so I guess it's in my blood now, but uh, well, yeah, not much for drinking at home either. No, I don't know. I've really never been and uh, I've turned into a lightweight too, but I mean, on the golf course, it's swing oil. You know, I do that just to be able to turn through the ball. So, Oh, I'm I probably, golf. I golf to drink outside. I don't golf to play golf. You know, golf's awesome as long as the beer's cold. No, absolutely. Yeah, especially out there where you know you've got to golf at. Well, that, that's got to be tough, right? You're golfing at like five a.m. in the summertime, so you're not you know melting into a puddle. No, it's tough, to, tough to drink at five a.m. Right? No, we play in the afternoon. Oh, okay. It, no, I mean the words to live by. Shade is your friend. That's you know true. the 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 strategy of that is is you know between shots, just park in the shade as much as you can and. Have it. You got to drink water, though. I mean, you got to hydrate. And, you know, no, we'll play and make a 
108 is, is about the cutoff. After that, it gets stupid. There's there's water in beer. So, I mean, you know, it's kind Not of enough. a cheap ingredient. So, well, depends, a, depends yeah, what kind yeah. of beer you're drinking, I guess. Look, you ever had heat stroke? No. Don't intend to either. Oh, boy. I, you know, I got hit twice. Oof. It, it ain't fun. I mean, you know, it sneaks up on you. You, you got to... Yeah, you got to hydrate. Yeah, no, I guess that's fair. And uh, hopefully these six NFL teams in action on Thursday have been hydrating because a quick turnaround for all of them here is we've got Houston, Detroit in the noon window, Washington, Dallas at 430, and then Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Hopefully, fingers crossed for that game, Baltimore again with some COVID cases, uh, really both of their starting running backs with COVID now. So they probably won't end up playing here on Thursday night. We'll see what happens with the protocols and, and all of that, but that is a line that has gone up a little bit for that AFC North rivalry matchup. But Brian, you did highlight videos for us over on our ATS YouTube page for these three games on Thursday. I encourage everybody to head over there and check that out. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube page while you're over there. But let's start with the first game here, Houston laying two and a half on the road at Detroit. Some places in the global markets and in the U.S. markets have already gone to three on this game. I mean, can, can you really take Houston laying, a, you know, two and a half, a juice two and a half or a three here on the road? I don't recommend taking either team. It's hard to trust either team. Houston played well last week. Detroit was an unmitigated disaster. The amazing thing, coming off a shutout, the total on the game is 51 and a half. I think the one thing that would really enhance Detroit's chances is if Galladay got back in the lineup without them taking the practice field Monday, they had injury designations and they listed him as limited, which was an upgrade. So he's close, but if they've come this far with the guy and you're going nowhere fast, it would seem to me the prudent thing would be don't play him Thursday. And then he gets another week and a half to get ready for the stretch run. But if Galladay plays, uh, you know, it gives Stafford an opportunity to sling it around a little bit better than last week. But tough game to get the day underway. It's almost like they're begging you to bet. You look at this total. It's like they're begging you to bet the under, you know, so it's probably a track meet. Well, and it's also tough, too. I mean, you know, we talk about Thursday games and, and obviously how much of a challenge those are just sort of in general for NFL teams. This is a Thursday game at 1230 in the afternoon. So very early start, probably a little bit tough to get going here. That being said, you know, Detroit, they do not play well on Thanksgiving as an underdog. 0-12 straight up, 1-11 against the number here. So they are in that role in this particular situation. And something else to kind of start considering too a little bit here, I think, is that, you know, Detroit did beat Washington. It, you know, wasn't pretty a couple of weeks ago. But this is a team now that has lost three out of four, both straight up and against the spread. You've got questions once again about Matt Patricia, you know, if he's the long-term solution there for the Lions. And, you know, for the most part here for Houston, I mean, again, the body of work is not pretty. They're only three and seven straight up and against the number. But with Romeo Cornell, they've at least been playing hard. So I think we at least get a max effort out of Houston here for Cornell. I don't know if I can say the same for Detroit. Well, the one thing I would say to you is the night game annually, you know, they, they, they plot a pretty good game on the, on the schedule, but the Detroit and the Dallas games are the traditional Thanksgiving day games. And I'm usually all about the visitors in this spot. 
Detroit and Dallas, they're leaving the stadium and going home for Thanksgiving dinner. And the visitors probably have Thanksgiving celebration on Friday. And generally speaking, I'm about the visitors walking in and treating it like a business trip. Um, if you remember last year, you know, the, the Bills went into Dallas and just destroyed the Cowboys. Um, you know, they viewed it as a business trip and uh, their their moment, in, you know, on the big stage. Uh, so I, I'm as a starting point, I like the visitors on these holidays. No, I think that makes sense. And we've kind of talked about that in the past with regards to the NHL schedule, you know, when they play around the holidays and, you know, they do have the holiday breaks now, but, you know, there are a lot of teams, that, you know, the NBA playing on Christmas day. We've talked about that before as well. So I do think that's a good starting point. I'm curious if, you know, some people may try a Detroit teaser here, get them up through that three and seven corridor to eight and a half, but you got a total in the fifties here, pretty average uh, NFL total for this season, actually. So Maybe Detroit winds up being part of a teaser that people play something like that here for the the first Thanksgiving game, just to have some action. But I don't know, to me, this is, I kind of look at it. I think it's Houston or nothing, but you know, nothing may end up being the way to look in that one. The mid afternoon game here, Washington and Dallas, Dallas, three point favorite painted across the market, 46, the total for this one, Dallas with a very nice road upset win over Minnesota. Washington beats the Bengals, who, of course, lose Joe Burrow. We'll talk about the Bengals here in a couple of minutes. But Dallas kind of laying that standard issue three, even though there's no home field advantage this year. So the markets are telling you Dallas clearly a better team on a neutral than Washington. What do you think about this one, Brian? Well, the reality of it is I'm looking forward to this football game, which is crazy to say. Because both teams are in the cellar at three and seven, but the winner immediately vaults to the top of the NFC East standing. So it actually is a very big football game. Dallas showed signs of life last week against Minnesota, but that was coming off a bye, and Andy Dalton came back. So they deserve credit for that. Yeah, but Washington just beat these guys 25 3. You know, and you look at this total, uh, is another one where. It's like, uh, you know, here they want you to bet the under. I think this game could be a little squirrely and, and produce points. I think uh, Alex Smith's a great story. Uh, they're getting good work from Gibson and McKissick, and McLaurin is good. The funny thing is, uh, I, I think they could go up and down the field a little bit in this game. And I got a slight lean to Washington because I'm not going to overreact to Dallas's defense, you know, having – a better game. I mean, they had to play better at some point, uh, but you know, you, you get one dimensional with Minnesota, you do your best to shut down cook and you take your chances from there. The encouraging thing for Dallas was Elliot and lamb and those guys kind of showed up and, and Dalton's return certainly helped. I got a funny feeling the, the, the two veteran quarterbacks maybe have a good day here. I got to lean to Washington in the over. Yeah, I, I kind of lean that way with Washington as well. I mean, you know, I, I think Ron Rivera is is finally sort of putting his stamp on this team. They've been very competitive here of late. In fact, you look at their last three losses, they're by a combined, uh, what, seven points here. They lost by three to Detroit, three to the Giants, by a point to the Giants. And I understand that you know, the Giants and Detroit are not very good teams, but Dallas isn't a very good team either. I mean, I do agree with the sent I do agree with the sentiment that Dallas is a better team on a neutral than Washington. I think they're probably a couple points better as this line implies. 
but at least Washington has been pretty consistent week in and week out. They've been in a lot of games where they haven't been playing, you know, against teams that are vastly superior to them, like they were when they played Arizona and Cleveland on the road, when they hosted Baltimore and the Rams. Those teams are just a lot better than they are. When they're playing teams on their level, they are very, very competitive. With Dallas, I don't know what I'm getting week in and week out. Again, that big performance off the bye against Minnesota, is that a sign that they've changed some things, that they've improved? Or is it that Minnesota kind of regressed back to what they were early on in the season? I'm not sure. I feel like Washington is more projectable to me. So I'll take the plus three with them if I'm playing anything in this game. But uh, like I said, it's, it's basically just a Washington or nothing type of handicap for me. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, and, you know, it's a big game, though. That's It's actually a game that, that matters. And uh, it's pretty compelling leading up to the night game. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and speaking of the night game, you know, like I said, look, there are already pretty significant COVID concerns regarding this game, specifically with the Baltimore side. And they've had, you know, Monday positives like several weeks in a row now, which is kind of an interesting thing, sort of as we're following along with, uh, you know, how the league is, is doing with these protocols and every team in intensive protocols and, and all that type of thing. You know, it was Marlon Humphrey a couple of weeks ago. This week it was Dobbins and Ingram. And in fact, I believe two staffers uh, also tested positive for Baltimore. So a lot going on with the Ravens here with regards to COVID and simply a lot going on with the Ravens here because they have not played well this season. A loss to Tennessee last week, the loss to New England. Uh, they played good defensively against Indianapolis on November 8th. The offense wasn't really good. And Pittsburgh, I mean, they just keep winning and just keep covering numbers. Not only are they 10-0 and 0 straight up, they're also 8-2 and 2 against the number. And this one has climbed up to 4.5 with a total of 45. Well, a lot of things point to Pittsburgh here. The one thing is, you know, you, you always take the points in this series. I mean, the odds makers always used to hang three and you just play the visitor and you'd be, you know, probably laughing the majority of the time. And this number's inflated a little bit. Baltimore loses a physical game in overtime to Tennessee. And, and that's the big concern is playing the real physical game and then the quick turnaround. But it is Pittsburgh. It's their big rival. A lot of things pointing to Pittsburgh here. In uh, Baltimore, as of today, are out. I mean, they're not even in the playoffs. It's unbelievable how far they've fallen. But don't worry about them. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs after this game. I mean, you know, you got to show up and you got to win. But after this game, uh, they host Dallas. At Cleveland's a big game. But they close with the Jags, the Giants, and the Bengals. So it's not like Baltimore's in danger of missing the playoffs, but Teams have figured out we're going to make Jackson beat us as a quarterback from the pocket as much as they possibly can, uh, and it's been working. I think the, the big thing here, though, is the NFL has just made a decision, and they're going to make it to the finish line, and they're not catering to anybody anymore. You know, that t- Tennessee thing, which set the league upside down for two weeks, moving games, you know, D- Denver and uh, New England – spent a week practicing and didn't get to play and then had to play the next week. So those two teams lost a bye because of the Tennessee thing, you know, then subsequently Cam Newton, you know, comes down with it, a quarterback and they played the game. The NFL is like, sorry guys, this is on you. 
and games aren't getting moved anymore. I think that's the big story that's come out of this turning for home. Yeah, and, you know, I think that there are a lot of ways to look at this game, and and obviously the players that may be missing for Baltimore are a consideration and are a concern, and I think that's a big reason why the line has gone up here. Secondly, you know, I just saw this on Twitter as we were recording here that the Ravens are going all virtual today. So, you know, usually that Monday after a game is kind of a slower day. You know, maybe you don't go full practice, stuff like that. Maybe you kind of recover and, and things of that sort. So really their only full practice day would have been today. And they're doing everything virtual because of the COVID concerns. And while some people may look at that as a negative, I think it's a positive for the reasons that you just outlined, because they just played a tough physical game against Tennessee, a game that went to overtime. Now they get another day to recover. Do they really need to go through practice in advance of playing Pittsburgh? They play Pittsburgh every year, same twice, same two coaches here, sometimes three times in the playoffs, same two long tenured coaches here with Harbaugh and Tomlin. I think not being out on the field may actually be a little bit of a benefit for Baltimore here in their ability to recover for this game. The second thing is, look, when these two teams played earlier in the year, the Ravens were minus four at home, and they won the box score in spectacular fashion. 5.8 to 4.4 yards per play, outgained Pittsburgh 457 to 221. Baltimore was minus three in turnover margin, four turnovers altogether. And, of course, they got stopped, you know, in scoring position to finish off that game. So, to me, I look at it and say, look, Baltimore had the right game plan for the first meeting. They just fell victim to turnovers. Could that happen again in this spot? Absolutely. But to me, at four and a half, as long as we have an idea of who's playing for Baltimore, I think there may be some value in the Road Ravens here. Oh, no. I mean, honestly, I think it's, it's, it's a take or nothing just on this series alone. And to your previous point, there are two that come to mind, and I'm sure there have been several others, but maybe not to this degree. But when Tennessee was going through all that stuff, Buffalo spent a week getting ready for them, not sure whether the game was going to be played, and they were practicing getting ready for Tennessee and getting ready for Kansas City, which was on a subsequent Thursday. So they were kind of prepping for two teams where Tennessee was just doing the virtual thing. The other one this past week, the Raiders had had the COVID issues and they spent the majority of the week not practicing, but doing the virtual stuff. And they took Kansas city to the wire. So it's not the end of the world that these teams aren't practicing, but there are instances where I think the guys that get in trouble more than anybody uh, is the offensive line. If they're not out there and in sync and working on what they're going to work at, but it's not the end all be all just because they're not on the field. Well, and you think back to Pittsburgh two weeks ago when they played Cincinnati, too. You know, uh, Vance McDonald got COVID coming out of the game against Dallas. Ben Roethlisberger didn't practice all week leading up to that game against the Bengals and had his best game of the season. So you worry about Ben, a guy that, you know, obviously has been injured a ton over the course of his career. Very quick turnaround here for him, although, you know, obviously Pittsburgh didn't have to spend a ton of effort and energy beating Jacksonville last week. But still, I think Baltimore is in something of a favorable spot to a degree, despite all the COVID cases. So, you know, we'll see what happens here. But again, if I can find four and a half, you know, and if it's widely available out there in the market, like you said, I I think this is a take situation on Baltimore. And and I would say this, and, you know, if Steelers fans that are listening, don't get, uh, get all twisted nuts. But 
I mean, okay, God bless. They're 10 and 0. I don't think they're the best team in the league. <laughs> and if you sit there and you, you got to beat who's in front of you, but let go, let's go through the schedule. They beat the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, the Eagles, the Browns. All right. The toughest games on the schedule, they win, but close games against Tennessee and the Ravens beat the Cowboys barely, but the Cowboys were a, a disaster, beat the Bengals and beat the Jags. That ain't a murderer's row, Adam. I mean, good. they're 10-0, and 0, and the pressure starts to mount on you. You know, at the end of the day, as we move forward, you know, like this ain't one of these games where the Dolphins are worried about the champagne cork. Uh, you know, they got games coming up. I mean, uh, the, the, honestly, I think Baltimore maybe get could get them here. Uh, but if they don't, the, the real interesting thing is going to be the Sunday night game on December 13th. They got to play at Buffalo. And then down the road, they got the Colts and the Browns, which can be tough. But I'm not, I'm not knocking them. They're very, 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 very good. I, I still think Kansas City's better. And part of me believes – the second tier teams, Indy, Tennessee, and Buffalo, I would put in that group. Those three, I think, are right there with Pittsburgh and can beat them. Well, and the thing about Pittsburgh, too, you run through their schedule and look, they're a very average offensive football team. And they have looked a lot better the last two weeks playing Cincinnati and Jacksonville on offense. So there is that. We know the defense is exceptional. We know the defense has one of the best pass rushes in the league. They put a ton of pressure on you. Their secondary could use a little bit of work. If they don't get to the quarterback, they will give up some big passing plays. But you know they get that great pass rush. They disrupt things in the backfield. Good run defense. The defense is very much legit. The offense, as I said, is quite pedestrian. It's very average. They have a lot of issues running the football. They do have great wide receivers, and that helps them. But you, know, you do wonder, again, if at some point here, you know that average offense does come back to bite them. And like I mentioned, I mean, Baltimore really took it to them in that first meeting, just had the turnover issues. We'll see if they can clean that up here for this week. As far as Sunday goes, Brian, let's start running through the card here with that. And you know, as you and I were talking before the show, Vegas, road favorite at Atlanta, coming off of an emotional game against Kansas City. Arizona, long trip to be a road favorite against New England. At least they have some extra prep time. Giants laying an uncomfortable road number against the Joe Burrow-less Bengals. Cleveland laying almost a touchdown at Jacksonville. Uh, you got Miami laying a touchdown at the Jets. Saints are favored by five and a half or six, going to the altitude to play in Denver. Kansas City, a favorite over Tampa Bay, coming off of you know an emotional division game for them. Seattle cross-country laying a big number. Lots of road favorites here this week, and I think from at least a situational standpoint, we can poke holes in just about all of them. Well, I think the Raiders in relation to the game this week would have been better served to get killed by Kansas City. Uh, I think that that was, that was give them full marks. Uh, they played their lungs out in that game. Very deflating that they let it get away. And they've got Atlanta this week and the Jets next week. And the Raiders are in the hunt and they're doing a lot of good things. This is an out-of-conference game, you know, in Atlanta at this time of the year when they're out of it and they play loose as a goose, Atlanta's got weapons and can step up on any given day and give somebody a real tough tussle. And I'm, I'd am i be very leery of the Raiders here 
walking in in a letdown situation. Yeah, I think so too. And, and, you know, the thing about Atlanta is, and I talked about this, you know, um, on last week's show. And in fact, you know, I really thought about taking the saints in the circuit. And I certainly regret the fact that I didn't. There are two reasons why the first is that again, I think the bye week has largely been a detriment for teams here this season because they can't go travel, go to some Island destination with their families, get away from it all for a couple of days. We know they can't practice on the bye week and they're all trying not to get COVID. So the bye week where you're just sitting around doing absolutely nothing, maybe lifting or working out or something like that. You know, I think that's a problem for teams and Atlanta came out very flat. Maybe they weren't sure what to expect with Taysom Hill in this Sean Payton offense, but they came out very flat, did nothing on offense. Matt Ryan looked very uncomfortable throughout the course of that game. Do they look better this week? Because the thing about Atlanta is ever since Raheem Morris took over for Dan Quinn, they've been a different team. They've been challenged. They've been invested and engaged. And they played actually with the exception of last week's game very, very well. So the question now is getting back into that rhythm, back into that routine, do they step up here and play the performances that we've seen them have? On the other hand, they play New Orleans in a week. So they get a revenge game against the Saints. Is that more of their focus now playing spoiler against the division as opposed to worrying about a game like this? So I think you've got a lot of different ways you can dissect and and cut this game off. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just know Atlanta... You know, at this time of year, teams that are out of it are dangerous. Guys are playing for jobs. They'll throw gadget plays in. And, you know, the, the lack of pressure sometimes produces really good things. I mean, again, it's tough to trust them. I mean, the Raiders are playing good football. But this game means a hell of a lot more to the Raiders than it does to the Falcons. And those teams that can go out loose as a goose can be dangerous. No, that's definitely a good point there. Real quickly, I just saw on Twitter that uh, the Ravens actually have more COVID cases that are going to be announced here today. So that game on Thursday night, very much in jeopardy, I would say, of uh, possibly being pushed to Sunday or Monday uh, or something like that. So I don't see. think so. I don't think so. I, I, mean, I don't it, think – I don't – well, they've got the luxury of doing it. Um, but money talks, bud. Oh, Yeah. Oh, money yeah. money talks, and this is the marquee Thanksgiving night thing, and they are all about, and I'm not, you know, this thing, you can get it anywhere. But they're all about the protocols and follow the protocols, and I, I think they have drawn a line in the sand. And to me, the only things that get moved potentially down the road might be playoff games. I, I think they've drawn a line in the sand. They, it's on you to, it's on you to you know, you know go, to the, go to the practice facility and go home. And, and I think that's how the NFL's approaching these things. And the kind of – they had 20 million viewers for the Sunday night game. How many viewers and money's going to be made on this Baltimore-Pittsburgh game, a standalone game on Thanksgiving night? I, I don't see them moving this. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a fair statement to make. You know, money definitely talks. And, and furthermore, you know, you've got a lot of people that will not get together with their families for Thanksgiving. So they're going to be sitting at home watching this football game so no, i mean and you know if you're you know people were all upset about tennessee and the you know, roethlisberger was you know they were throwing rocks at tennessee uh in, when they're just the season was young and, and this stuff was happening uh the raiders have been fined over a million dollars and had to cough up a sixth round pick 
uh, you know, because of how, and they say they're doing all the right things. And, you know, the, I think, I think it is what it is. I really do. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, obviously, you know, if, if there's a, a large number of cases, then you sort of wonder, you know, can Baltimore even really put a team on the field uh, having to clear, you know, practice squad guys and clear guys that, you know, they sign off the street and all those kinds of things. Maybe that would be uh, the only thing that could possibly throw a wrench in that game. Uh, I want to ask you about the Giants in Cincinnati here, because not only are the Bengals without Joe Burrow, but also a pretty scathing article came out from Sports Illustrated today about the culture with Zach Taylor and uh, and the defensive coaching staff there. And it seems like things are very bad in Cincinnati. And obviously, they're going to go from bad to far, far worse when your number one pick suffers such a devastating knee injury like the one that Joe Burrow suffered on Sunday. Who knows if he'll even be back in time for any part of next season. Hopefully, he will be. We'll have to wait and see. But You've got a Giants team that plays really, really hard, and they're not particularly good, but they play extremely hard. And I think effort, a massive question going forward now for the Cincinnati Bengals, but still the Giants are five and a half or six point favorite in this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, from a motivation aspect, you look at the Giants coming here, a three and seven team laying five and a half. But the bottom line is they have to win absolutely to keep pace with whoever wins the Dallas Washington game. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. And the Eagles have Seattle on Monday night that don't like their chances there. Um, but, I mean, the game means everything to the Giants, means nothing to the Bengals and the deflation of Burrow not being there. Now, they could rally around the fact the kid's not there. Uh, the thing is that, you know, Daniel Jones does a lot of good things but he does a lot of crazy things. Um, and I, I can't, you know, you're laying that kind of points with the Giants. Good luck. Uh, the Bengals with what they're going to bring and throw out there. Good luck. I mean, it, the most obvious thing, if you, if you are compelled to play this game and believe me, there are better options out there. Uh, I would just go under the total. I, that's, that's the most likely scenario that maybe these teams move the ball between the twenties, but neither quarterback can get it into the end zone when you get to the red zone. Yeah. I think that's going to be the big thing is, you know, th- there will be turnovers in this game. The question is just sort of, you know, which part of the field do they come on and, and which quarterback winds up having more of them? As I said, you know, things weren't great with Cincinnati to begin with, and maybe the timing of this article, not only kicking them while they're down, but maybe it suggests to a degree that things have gotten worse because you know they had that win over Tennessee and then they came off the bye and they were just completely uncompetitive against Pittsburgh. And then, you know, the game against Washington, obviously we all kind of saw how that played out. So I, I sort of wonder if maybe things have gotten worse to the point where players are starting to talk a little bit more staffers are starting to talk a little bit more with the timing of that article. And, you know, I think maybe that would point me in the direction of, even though it's such a, high number it's only the second time this season the Giants have been favored it may push me towards the Giants to the point where I don't even know if Cincinnati shows up at all whatsoever in that game and I think that could end up being a very realistic possibility there how about game 261 262 here Titans and Colts you did a video for this one over on our ATS YouTube page four is pretty much the number across the board total has gone up on this game up into the 50 and a half 51 range out there both in the u.s and the global markets 
What do you make of that? What do you make of Indy here being you know, a four-point favorite in this spot? I'm not overthinking this one. It's simple. Um, whether it's right or wrong remains to be seen. But I will draw just the analogy that this game exactly mirrors the Seattle-Arizona game on Thursday night, whatever it was, 10 days ago. Uh, Seattle had lost to Arizona. They had lost to the Rams. The three of them were tied atop the division. But if Seattle loses to Arizona and gets swept by the Cardinals, the division, for the most part, is likely gone for Seattle. Seattle had to win the game. They played it like a playoff game. They won the game and vaulted all the way to the number two seed in the NFC as a result. I, I just look at Tennessee. You're only two weeks removed from Indy beating them. And Tennessee realizes if they lose this game, the division is gone. Now, the hard part for Tennessee is the physical game, uh, you know, against uh, Baltimore. But Indy had to go to overtime against Green Bay. And I, I really, I like both of these teams a lot. And I think Rivers is getting better knowing what he's dealing with here. But I, to me, it, this is all about the time of year where Tennessee starts to roll. They start to hammer Henry and wear teams down. An, an absolute take for me. And I, and I love this Indianapolis team. But I, I think the spot absolutely says, you know, Tennessee, Tennessee on the money line, the whole nine yards. This is a tough one for me because, you know, I was on Green Bay last week in the Circa, and obviously they had chances to win that game. We are 10 games in for the Indianapolis Colts, and I still have no idea what the ceiling is for this team or what the floor is for this team because they've played, they had played up until last week playing Green Bay, the 32nd ranked schedule, according to Sagarin. They had played a bunch of really poor to below average quarterbacks throughout most of the year. And the defense has looked really good. The defense statistically looks fantastic, but also, you know, who have they really gone up against? And the Packers last week, 6.4 yards per play against them. They moved the football. They had that two score lead at halftime turnovers really did the Packers in. They had three fumbles. They were minus two in turnover margin. They didn't take care of the football. Colts made some, you know, big plays on defense and the Packers wind up losing that game. I don't know what Indy is. And it's really hard to say that again, 10 games into the season with what everybody perceives to be a really good football team. But I think their defense is overrated based on who they've played. I still don't love Phillip rivers in close games, even though he's been doing a better job of that here so far this season. The one thing I do like a lot about the Colts is I think Frank Reich is easily a top five coach in the NFL. I think Mike Vrabel is pretty good. I think Frank Reich is better than he is. So that's the holdup for me. I do think Indianapolis, this is maybe something of a sell high point for them, but Frank Reich is just so good. And they made such great second half adjustments on Sunday. They made great second half adjustments on that Thursday night against Tennessee this is a tough game, man. I don't know if I'm going to have anything in this one. You know what? I, again, I, I like both teams a lot. I just think, I think the situation says to Tennessee, it's must win. It's must win if they want to win the division. Uh, other than that, they're a wild card team. But if they, they want, if they want to win, win the division, they have to win. And this team's got swagger because they went into Baltimore and the Ravens had playoff revenge and the whole nine yards, 
and Tennessee knew that that Baltimore was going to be fired up for them. And what did they do? They pulled the T.O. They they went as a group and stood on the Ravens logo and started a fight before the game. This team has some swagger. I like them. I like I I, I you know big picture. I love Indianapolis. This week, I really like Tennessee. We moved down one spot on the board here. Game 263, 264. Chargers and Bills. Buffalo laying five and a half. Total has gone up on this game to 53 and a half from where it opened. Although I believe it had touched 54, I want to say, on Monday and has come back down a little bit here. But you got the Bills off of the bye. You've got the Chargers off of a unimpressive win over the jets and and the chargers have not covered in four straight. They've actually lost three of their last four straight up. They played a ton of overs in a row. So there's that Buffalo three straight overs for them. So not a big surprise to see this total going up. What I sort of wonder about here is are we overvaluing the chargers because everybody's so impressed with what Justin Herbert has done, or is this a team that you know is getting better, but just doesn't have the results at the window. No, I think they've done a lot of good things and they've just found really creative ways to lose football games. Uh, you know, but what I would say to you here is, and, you know, full disclosure, I, you know, I, I follow the bills religiously. I don't bet them blindly, you know, more often than not, like I, you know, playing totals with them. Uh, I think, I really believe this is a spot the Bills destroy the Chargers. They're coming off a bye. Allen drove them down the field and won the game at Arizona. And then, okay, Hopkins makes the catch. At some point, you just tip your hat. Like, what really could they have done differently? You bat the ball down. But, okay, the guy made a great play, but they won the game, basically. And then the Cardinals took it from him. I think the Bills are so pissed off, have a stone in their shoe. And, oh, by the way, the biggest development Sunday was the Bills won the AFC East, not even being on the field. Patriots stick a fork in them. And the Dolphins losing that game, you know, the, 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 I, I, did, I didn't think that the, the Miami thing was ultra uh, sustainable. But I think Buffalo absolutely mauls these guys. I think they got a real sense of purpose. And I would and I would say this to you. Watch out for this team in the next little bit for a reason that no one would cite, I don't believe. And that is okay, you win the you gotta get by this game. But then they're the rest of their schedule, they play the Niners on a Monday night. Then they play the Steelers at home on a Sunday night. The the ugly one could be Denver. And then they're at New England on another Monday night game. This is a city, this is a team that's just been, you know, buried for so long. And don't forget the way they played Thanksgiving Day last year against the Cowboys. That was their only game on national television. And here they are with three nationally televised games coming up. It's like a coming out party for Josh Allen and and Diggs. Uh, and the defense is starting to play better. But I'm telling you, don't sleep on these three nationally televised games for this team because these guys, 
it's not like the, you know, the Cowboys or the Chiefs or these teams that are always on national TV. You know, the, the, this team is going to be so fired up to be on national TV, and I think they're going to take it out on opponents. I think Buffalo goes on a tootsie roll here uh, the rest of the way. Well, and I think something that's going to be really beneficial for Buffalo here, not just this week, but also going forward, is that the thing that I think has kind of held them back a little bit to a degree is that they've had a lot of injuries on defense. Then they had Josh Norman coming down with COVID and all those kinds of things. Edmonds and Milano have both kind of been in and out of the lineup or banged up. Now, Milano's not back yet this week. He'll be back next week for the game when he comes off of IR. But the bye week came at a good time for them because they were, as you mentioned, off of that devastating loss in a game that, you know, realistically, we could say that they won. Hopkins just made a play, like you said, but they're getting healthier. And that's a big help, especially, you know, for the stretch run here as they go forward. And also, too, now you had another week to sit there and say, what else can we incorporate with Josh Allen? Because now Josh Allen, unlike his previous season, has skill position talent. You know, unlike what he had in the past, he's got multiple options now that he can throw to. They figured out how to get the run game going a few weeks ago. They can always go back to that now if they want. So for me, I think Buffalo is in a good spot here. Chargers with that long trip east, uh, you know, coming off of a game where they didn't really play their best. I think this is a good spot to lay the number with Buffalo here. Again, five and a half is, is probably looking a little bit big to people with all the buzz that Justin Herbert has gotten but I, I think the Bills are the right side here as well. And you got the West Coast team traveling east for the early game. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a factor, too. And, and there are several of those, as I mentioned here. Vegas and Atlanta doing that. Arizona and New England doing that. Uh, then also the Chargers having to do that here against Buffalo. So those are always interesting things, especially as we get into late November here. Weather could end up being a factor. I think so far with the look-ahead forecasts, Everything looks pretty tame for right now, but no, it's good. The the weather forecast is 50 degrees uh, chance of rain. And then they got a boatload of snow this past weekend, but it's the weather's going to be fine this week. Hence the total. All right. So let's jump ahead here to the, uh, I guess people would say this is the marquee game of Sunday, Tampa Bay and Kansas city, Kansas city laying three and a half now, pretty much market wide total on this game of 55 and you know last week I I decided to make the move and go ahead and take the Rams against Tampa Bay and my thought was sort of in looking at Tampa Bay here for this season they've lost to the Saints twice now of course they've lost to the Rams they're a very good team in a bully role and and this happens a lot of times you know teams just they beat up on inferior teams and they struggle with teams on their level or better than them and to this point That has been the issue for Tampa Bay. And I agree with the line move here up to three and a half. I don't know if I will take Kansas City, but I agree with the line move because the one thing that appears to be holding Tampa Bay back, they've got a good defense. It's top five in DVOA pretty much across the board. They've got all that skill position talent. Tom Brady doesn't look good. He looked bad last night or yeah, last night on Monday Night Football. He's looked bad in the games against the Saints. And if you want to beat the Chiefs, you've got to keep up with Pat Mahomes. And I don't know if Tampa Bay can do that. No. Um, I mean, I think Kansas City's the nuts. You know, I mean, they... they Are they going to repeat? Are they going to win it again? I personally believe they're the best team in football. Uh, 
I would think uh, it's it's possible. I mean, I, if not, maybe likely. I think the AFC here. You know what? A starting point. I just think the AFC across the board is significantly better than the NFC. I mean, that's a starting point. Before you even talk, it's Kansas City and Mahomes. And, you know, the one thing about them, it's almost like they're like a kitten pawn at a toy when they play, you know. And the key for them has been, obviously, Edwards Hilaire is a wonderful addition. Now you throw Le'Veon Bell into the mix. But the key for them, they have been able to keep Hill and Kelsey healthy. And it's a machine. You know, they get nicked up around the edges with Watkins and Hardman and some of these other guys that maybe they get nicked up. But those and those, but those auxiliary weapons are so dangerous because, you know, you're just so focused on trying to take Hill and Kelsey away. And the bottom line is, even though you know that's what you have to do, you can't do it. You know, the, the thing about Kansas City, like you said, you know, it's drawing that analogy to a kitten, just kind of pawing at a toy. I mean, that. That's just it. And, you know, I was texting with some people uh, during that game on Sunday, you know, specifically in the fourth quarter when Mahomes had to go down there and win it for him. And of course he did. Like, why don't more coaches go hurry up? Why don't more coaches run a two minute offense, you know, midway through the second quarter or something like that? Because, you know, especially if you've got the, the personnel to do it. I mean, some of these teams look unstoppable in those late game situations where they're just marching down the field. Whenever Kansas city wants to score, it feels like they can. Whenever Kansas City wants to play, they can. And I think the Raiders, I give them full credit for stepping up and going toe-to-toe with Kansas City in a spot where everybody and their brother loved the Chiefs last week. But the thing of it is, when Kansas City wants to beat you, they will. When Kansas City wants to cover against you, if there's any weakness on the other side, Kansas City does it. The Raiders didn't give them any weakness and gave them a game. Tampa Bay is obviously going to show up here, but I don't know, you know, I mean, there's obviously incentive from a playoff standpoint, but that's a rivalry now with the Chiefs and the Raiders. And it's awesome to see as well, because the Chiefs need somebody that can challenge them regularly. I just don't know if Tampa Bay does it here. And and I, I mean, look, I don't even think this line is forcing you to pay any kind of premium. I think there's a chance this thing keeps going up. I mean, I don't know if Tampa Bay is is that great of a football team, and it starts with 12. I don't think 12 is as good as he once was, and I think it's very clear. And we saw it last year with the Patriots. We're seeing it now with Tampa Bay. I don't think a game in the mid-50s where they're going to have to keep pace, I don't think it's a great spot for them. No, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be running to the bank here to, you know, take points against Kansas city. The, the total's intriguing at 55 and they, they had that one remarkable shootout Brady and Mahomes a couple of years ago. Um, and it's a ridiculously high total, but I mean, I, in Tampa Bay's defense is actually pretty good, but you know, I could just see again, Adam, it's an out of conference game. And you know, from a motivation perspective, uh, I'm not saying that it's the determining factor what happens in the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game, but Kansas City needs to keep winning to keep pace with the Steelers. So, you know, the motivation aspect, I think, is on Kansas City's side. And, you know, second week off a bye, 
they did a lot of good things at the Raiders. And maybe, you know, Kansas City, you know, learned a bit of a lesson too. I, I think Kansas City thought they were going to come in and destroy the Raiders and, and the Raiders took them to the mat. So I, I think Kansas, it, it would be Kansas City for me, uh, if anything. But I can see I can see the track meet. You know, I it's a great game. It's not to me. It's not. It's nowhere near one of the games I'm, you know, in a hurry to bet. Well, and one last point here to make is that Tampa Bay has not had a bye week yet, and when you've got a quarterback who's what forty two years old, I mean that's a lot. You know, and especially in this weird year where you got to pay so much attention to detail with everything. You know, especially in terms of probably not having your same methods of relaxing, you know, going out with the boys after practice or, you know, going out night before a game or after a game or something like that. You know, it's, it's all about laser focus. I mean, you are just 100% of your day while you are awake is, is pretty much football at this point in time, you know, that, that wears on you. And the fact that Tampa Bay has not yet had a buy, the idea that they'll have their bye week in the first weekend of December is kind of mind blowing in a lot of ways. But I think that could be part of a factor here that maybe they're kind of running on fumes to a degree where three of their last four performances have been very uninspiring. I mean, the Carolina game, they left some points on the field and you know could have won that game running away by even more. I think that says more about Carolina and, and the current state of the Panthers who you know were in free fall mode prior to that win over the Lions this past weekend. But I think that's part of it too. You know, Kansas City, maybe it wasn't a great look against the Raiders, but they, you know, had a bye week. They had a chance to freshen up a little bit and sort of at least, you know, take that breather. Like I said, I don't think the bye has been a good thing. And, you know, the Chiefs didn't cover coming out of the bye. I think teams coming out of the bye have only covered two of the last 12 or something like that. But the, the Bucks haven't had their bye yet. And now they're also on a short week not having had their bye yet. With a four, quarterback on the wrong side of 40, I'm talking myself into Kansas City here. I, I really, truly am. I, I hard to argue with any of it. <laughs> well, I don't know if we're going to have much of an argument here on this game either. Monday night football, Seattle and Philadelphia Seahawks <laughs> laying five or five and a half here for the long trip East, but you know, effectively a week and a half of, of prep time and, you know, uh, the ability to get ready for this one here for Seattle for Philadelphia. They came back in the game, but Fletcher Cox was dinged. Jason Kelsey was dinged. We know Philadelphia's had massive injury issues, not only this season, but really over the last few seasons. God, is there any way you could bet Philadelphia here? Uh, you know, it's Monday night, and it's a home game, and you're a home dog, and home dogs on Monday night. But, uh, you know, Seattle going east, but it's a night game, and, you know, that's not an issue. Extra time to prepare. And look at Seattle. I, I actually did something – pretty smart i'm going to give myself credit whether it reaps rewards in my fantasy league and people can laugh at that all they want but believe me it's worth my time uh we don't draft defenses we draft teams and the team you have to pick them to win or lose the game and you either get the points by the winning margin or lose points all right so I I took Seattle about four weeks ago and, and set up, I'm going to fight my way through this for the stretch run because they play Philly, the Giants, the Jets, and Washington. That, that's their next four games. So 
that this is a real opportunity for Wilson to go out there and light it up. The the big and the big difference. Oh, what's wrong with Seattle? What's wrong with Seattle? Well, they lose the the shootout game at Buffalo, and the score it really wasn't as close as the score would indicate. But they lose to the Rams. But in that window of games, they lost Chris Carson, and then Carlos Hyde is a good running back, and he hurts himself celebrating a touchdown. So Seattle went three weeks without a running game. That's why they lost. Carlos Hyde came back and played in that game against the Cardinals and was extremely effective. And Seattle won the game. And don't sleep on, you know, trades in the NFL really don't happen and don't have a great impact. This guy Dunlap that came over from Cincinnati has been an absolute difference maker and Seattle's defense has finally got their head out of their backside. They're actually playing really much better football right now. I think Seattle's ready to go on a roll. I think so too. And I think it probably starts here. I mean, look, you think about the three games that Seattle's lost since the bye week, they're two and three since the bye. They had 10 turnovers in those three losses. So that's pretty much what it was. I mean, it was Russell Wilson not taking care of the football very uncharacteristically at that. Two games they haven't turned it over with the 49ers and the Cardinals, and they won both of those games and covered both of those numbers. So, but, I mean, that, but believe me, the, the turnovers and all that stuff you speak of, yes, but it was all because they were just one dimensional. They had no running game. DJ Dallas, the, the Homer kid. It was Wilson going back to throw 45 times and teams were playing a a zone and putting a spy on them. You know, if they've got a running back, you know, they got weapons all over the place. Well, and and the point that I was going to follow up with there is to say that, you know, look, if if you're going to win the turnover margin, it's probably going to happen against Philadelphia. I mean, the Browns did it, you know, Carson Wentz, he does not take care of the football at all whatsoever. Browns had a pick six, another pick, uh, you know, probably should have had a fumble or two in that game as well. You know, Seattle's going to get extra possessions here. And, and we know what a team like Seattle can do with extra possessions. So as square as this is, as four-sided as this is, it's Seattle or nothing for me. And I got to watch Philadelphia. And something else about Philadelphia too here, uh, just real quickly, because I know we're running a little bit long, is that ever since Frank Reich left, this offense has been in free fall mode. And look, Maybe Doug Peterson, maybe it's just out of his hands because they've had all of these injuries in the offensive line to the skill guys. Wentz never seems to be 100% healthy. But ever since Frank Reich left, I mean, this offense has struggled mightily. And we know what Frank Reich is doing in Indianapolis. He's doing a hell of a job. I I just think, I don't think Philadelphia is any good at all. I mean, obviously their record suggests that, but I think you could make a strong case that Philadelphia is a bottom 10 team in the NFL and Seattle should have its way with a team like that. Yeah, wrap it up with this. The Eagles are the only people in the world that have benefited from a pandemic. Could you imagine if they had to play games in front of fans in Philadelphia? No, that's that's a very true point there. And, of course, they won't have fans, no fans, in either Pittsburgh or Philadelphia uh, the rest of the way here. That was something that came down, I believe, a week or two ago. Uh, but lots of great thoughts. We've got to go very deep in-depth here on this week 11, week 12, excuse me, NFL card with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And uh, you and I will be chatting again here on this Tuesday in a little bit on your show. Uh, yeah, uh, we're doing uh, 
we're on the Sports Grid Radio Network now, which is uh, it's our third week. Uh, you joined us last week. You'll be on with us today, and that's 11 uh, o'clock Pacific. We do an hour standalone for them. They also then pick up and air Sportsbook Radio, which has been our longstanding show here in Las Vegas. Uh, so we're excited to be part of the Sports Grid Radio Network. You can get the Sports Grid Radio app, and they're launching a serious channel uh, in uh, January. So we'll be on the serious uh, network, which will be exciting. And then Vegas Hockey Hotline uh, today at uh, 1 o'clock Pacific, KSHP.com. Listen live function there. I put everything out on Twitter, Brian Blessing. And, uh, you know, the NHL thing, I guess wrap it up with this, Adam. You had four Golden Knights and family members, the word came out last night, that tested positive. I just got a text from somebody. I don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, something possibly with the Columbus Blue Jackets. But this NHL thing, man, they got to they gotta get a decision and an announcement in the next week to 10 days. If they think they're starting games by January 1st, that ain't happening. But if even January 15th, the NHL's got one foot in the grave, the other on a banana peel, and they got to get their act together quick. Yeah, I believe I saw seven Blue Jackets uh, with COVID, and they've actually shut down the facility and, and all that. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with the NHL. Make sure you follow Vegas Hockey Hotline. Make sure you follow Brian on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. And, of course, check out my appearance today uh, on Sportsbook Radio. But, Brian, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, Adam. Happy Thanksgiving. There you go. There's Brian Blessing again, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline. And happy Thanksgiving, Brian, to you and yours as well. Coming up on Wednesday, our edition of ATS Radio with Kyle Hunter from HunterSportsPicks.com. We recorded that Monday afternoon for the Wednesday show. So just want to make sure I keep throwing those out there. Going to be recording here this afternoon on Tuesday afternoon with Brad Powers for the show we will release on Thursday. So Doing ATS Radio Monday through Friday here this week. The Circa Picks show on Friday will be normal, but uh, pre-recording those Wednesday and Thursday shows, just so you're aware of that. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.